When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We're all new for 2023 and featuring a wide mix of variety shows from the golden age of radio to include comedy, music, drama, cop shows, and much more. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. For those of you looking for non-stop suspense and sci-fi, we offer 1001 Stories from Roy's Diner. That's 1001 Stories from Roy's Diner. Your best friend on the road or when you just want some real suspenseful drama. Just think Escape, Suspense, 1001 Stories from Roy's Diner. Meanwhile, 1001 Radio Days will be bringing back some memories along with some great entertainment every Wednesday and Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And now, our show. 7.30 KECA, the Los Angeles Blue Network Station, by transcription. Here he is, folks. You laughed with him when he played the Marine in the movie Wake Island. And now you're laughing at him in his newest picture, Abroad with Two Yanks. He's Hollywood's magnificent mug. Who's a mug? Why, when I was only six, the teacher said I had the brain of a ten-year-old child. And I still got it. <laughs> the American Meat Institute presents William Bendix in The Life of Riley. <laughs> the meat people of America, providing a great food for a great nation. Did you know that if all the meat animals handled by America's meatpacking plants in 1944 were loaded into freight cars, they would fill a train more than 18,000 miles long, long enough to reach from New York to Tokyo and back again. That's a lot of meat and a lot of good eating for our fighting forces and you, America. And now, on behalf of all those engaged in supplying meat to the nation, the American Meat Institute presents The Life of Riley. 
Of course, Chester A. Riley is only one of the thousands of war workers employed by the Stevenson Aircraft Plant. But ever since he straightened out the boss's son, Roswell, by a long overdue spanking, Riley has enjoyed a unique place in the boss's esteem. At the moment, Riley is entering the reception room of the boss's office. Oh, hello, Mr. Riley. Did you want to see Mr. Stevenson? Ah, uh, yeah. The, the boys on my shift are complaining about a loose nut on a ventilator fan. Makes so much noise, you can hardly hear yourself rivet. <laughs> Well, he's just talking to his wife on the phone, but I guess you can go in. Oh, well, from what I hear about his wife, he might be glad to be interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but listen, Petty. But listen, dear. But, Letitia, I'm busy now. Uh, somebody just came into the office. Sit down, Riley. Oh, thanks, boss. Listen, dear. Something urgent has just come up. It is urgent, isn't it, Riley? No, no, I can wait. Uh, Riley says it's urgent, dear. <laughs> of course I'm interested in Mimi's happiness. She's my daughter, too, isn't she? But what can I do? Now, listen, dear. That's going too far. I don't care what her husband did at lunch today. Well, what if he does put sugar on his lettuce? For sure. Sugar and vinegar, it's a great dish. Even without the lettuce. If... <laughs> now, Petty, now suppose he did cut it with his knife. What else would he cut it with, a spoon? But... <laughs> That's not enough to break up Mimi's marriage, Leticia. Oh, all right, dear. I'll talk to him tonight. Yes, I'll be home right away. Goodbye. Well, Riley, what is it? Uh, there's a nut loose that's making some trouble. It's not that bad, Riley. My wife's just high strung. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the nut I mean is on a ventilator fan. Uh, I'm sorry to bother you now. I, I can see your head's got other things on your mind. Well, <laughs> listen, Riley, let me tell you the whole story. Two years ago, my daughter made a hasty wartime marriage. I've never even seen this boy, Joe, that Mimi married. She met him in a canteen back east, knew him only two months. Then he was shipped out. They were married 15 minutes before they had to say goodbye. What a honeymoon. The bride, the bride and groom in separate places. That may be modern, but it'll never be popular. It... <laughs> well, now, Riley, now the boy's back. An honorable discharge. My wife met him for the first time today at lunch. Uh -huh. And she doesn't think he's the right man for Mimi. Well, there's more to being a good husband than how you partake of your grub. Riley, that's what I think. But I'm in a spot. You see, my daughter's on a train coming home from San Francisco. Doesn't even know she's going to see Joe yet. And my wife wants me to see him first and persuade him to, well, give Mimi up. No kidding. Yeah. And now that she's met him... Well, she just can't see why our daughter ever married him. Uh, Mr. Stevenson, if nobody ever married nobody except somebody somebody else thought somebody ought to marry, nobody'd get married to nobody. <laughs> and where would their children be? Riley, I wish you could meet this boy and size him up. You're a down-to-earth fellow. You see deeper than what a man's table manners are and... Say. Say what? Riley. Why don't you have dinner at my house tonight? Meet this boy. And then we'll both decide what I ought to say to him. Me? Oh, no, thanks, boss. But, Riley, I just want your opinion. But, boss, this is your daughter. You, you better leave me out of it. I don't want to be the godfather in no divorce case. <laughs> I'm at the boss's house. I'm, I'm going to have dinner here. Really? Why? Well, I'll, I'll tell you when I get home. Listen, honey, 
You ought to see this joint. It's just like in the movies. Mm, my, I'll bet you have a lovely dinner. Yeah. I peeked in at the dining room table. You should see all the tools they give you to eat with. <laughs> Dr. Gillespie ain't got that many knives. Quiet, dear. Someone will hear you. Oh, no, that's okay. Mr. Stevenson is upstairs talking to his wife. Well, kiss Babs for me and shake hands with Junior. I'll try to handle things till you get back, dear. But Babs isn't here. Is she out again? You know I don't want her out after dark alone. But she's not alone. She's with that new boy who lives down the street. I've heard about that boy. I'd rather she was alone. <laughs> Peg, I don't like this about Babs running with new boys. Any boy she goes with, I want to talk to first. Uh, you Mr. Stevenson? My name is Joe Bean. No, I'm Bascom the butler. This way, Mr. Bean. Mr. Stevenson asked that you go directly into the drawing room. He's been expecting you. Go down this hall and turn left. So like I say, honey, no daughter of mine is going to get mixed up with no nobody. Yes, dear, don't get so excited. Well, father can't be too careful. Think of who you might have married if you hadn't married me. <laughs> yes, dear. Well, okay, Dumplin', I'll see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye, dear. Uh, oh, uh... Good evening, sir. Huh? Oh, good evening. Uh, Butler said for me to come on into the drawing room. Well, you're in it. Yes, sir. I heard you talking on the telephone. Huh? I don't blame you for feeling the way you do about your daughter. Oh, you know her, huh? Why, yes, sir. Like you said, maybe I am kind of a nobody. Well, I wouldn't jump over conclusions like that. You look okay to me. I do. You mean it's all right with you for us to be married? Married? You asking me to marry my daughter? Well, we are married. Didn't you know it? Married? You got the nerve to come... Uh, no, it ain't so. She, she wouldn't get married until she told me. Not Babs. Babs? Her name's not Babs. I know my own girl's name. Yes, sir, but I know my own wife's name. I always call her Mimi. What right have you got to change Babs' name to Mimi? Just, uh, uh, wait a minute. Mimi. Are you married to Mimi Stevenson? Well, yes, sir. I'm Joe Bean. Oh, <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> Babs is still single. <laughs> For a minute, I was on the way to being a grandfather. <laughs> Riley's my name. Uh, Mr. Stevenson will be right down. He'll be glad to see you, Joe. I'm not so sure about that. I've been thinking maybe I couldn't make Mimi as happy as I want her to be. Well, how do you know until you try? Oh, I sure would like to try. She's so fine. She's beautiful, too. For two years, ever since I shipped out, all I thought about was her. I even marked off the days on the side of my plane till I could be with her again. Well, now you're here. Yeah. Sure did get me a surprise when I met Mimi's mother. Well, yeah, that, that's one thing about marriage. Eventually, you run into your mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. See, I was raised on a ranch in Texas. and My folks is just good, hard-working people, and... I never was in a house like this before in all of my life. <laughs> Neither was I. Did you ever see such thick rugs? The nap is so long, sometimes I can't find my feet. <laughs> the way these folks live. <laughs> Mamie never told me about having so much money, and I, I haven't got any. So what? Rich people get gout. Of course, I could support Mamie somehow, but not like her father did. Why, guess Mrs. Stevenson gave you that idea, huh? Yes, she did. She said I ought to give Mimi her freedom before I spoiled her life. So I thought about it, and, well, I certainly wouldn't want to ruin Mimi's life. What's all this about ruining my daughter's life? Oh, uh, 
my name is Bain, sir. Joe Bain. Uh, uh, well, <clears throat> my name's Stevens. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, boss, meet your son-in-law. Uh, Joe, meet your wife's old man. I thought... Uh, 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 oh, yeah. Pleasure. Uh, Joe here's been telling me he don't know about being able to make Mimi happy and... Oh, uh, indeed. Well, Bean, if you don't have confidence in yourself, perhaps Mimi's mother's right. Be best to call it off. Well, maybe. I sure do want Mimi to be happy. I'm so mixed up, I can't think. Boss, if you don't mind me yelling from the bleachers, it, it seems to me that Mimi ought to have a say in all this someplace. Franny, I guess you're right. Mimi just phoned. She'll be here in half an hour. Oh, well, okay. Now, I, I got something to say. Y you sit down, Mr. Stevenson. You too, Joe. And just remember, Joe, marriage is an old and honorable institution. And nobody's escaping from the institution till I'm through talking. <laughs> Well, just what story can Riley tell that could possibly keep Joe's very shaky marriage to Mimi from going on the rocks? Well, we'll find out in just a moment. In the meantime, this is Ken Niles carrying the ball for your meatpacking industry. This evening, the subject of my 60-second speech is Time. Time, the name of a news magazine. Time, the thing you can't turn back. Time is money. And time is rule one, page one of braising meat. Braising cuts of beef are point-free. They're lean and flavorsome. They're rich in proteins, but it takes time, T-I-M-E, to cook those glistening brown pieces of tender-eating meat. It takes time to bring out that golden gravy. It takes time to transform those braising cuts into pleasant pieces of tender-eating meat. So give them a break, ladies, by giving them time, and your family will be rewarded with something really extra special in meat-eating. The real value of longer braising time, however, is that it's under lower cooking heat where meat retains nearly all its high nutritional value. Slow and easy, does it, in braising meat. And lest you forget, those high-quality proteins of meat are in the braising cuts of beef, just as they are in all cuts of meat. Meat measures up to every protein need. That's why meat is a yardstick of protein foods. And now back to The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. a few seconds have passed since we left Riley, his boss, Mr. Stevenson, and Joe Bean, the boss's new son-in-law, in the drawing room at the magnificent Stevenson home. Riley is about to launch into a story which he hopes will prevent the breakup of Joe Bean's marriage to Mr. Stevenson's daughter, Mimi. Well, fellas, this story I'm going to tell you is about love. And, strange enoughly, it's got a boy and girl in it, too. This all happened quite a while ago to a guy I know named, uh, named Riley. Riley? Why, that's your name. Yeah, uh, uh, ain't that a coaccident? <laughs> yep. Well, this fellow Riley was about 21, and he'd fell for this wonderful girl, see? He'd give her a whirlwind wound for three years and finally swept her off her feet. He thought his troubles was all over, but they was just starting. It's your trustsome, gruesome pal, Jelly Kelly. Well, good morrow, Mr. Kelly. Ah, uh, don't give me that Mr. Treatment, Riley. Just because you're marrying into society. Ah, uh, go straight in a pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, Riley, I hope you don't go highbrow. 
There's an ugly rumor going around that your fiancée has been correcting your grandma on you. Oh, yeah, well, she ain't. I, I, I mean, she aren't. I... Hey, hey. Hey, Riley. What's the idea wearing a new suit on a weekday? Oh, well, well this here suit is my truce out. I'm breaking it in today for the wedding next week. How do I look, eh? Oh, you look great. Hey? But don't go past no undertaking, Paula, or they'll give you an estimate. <laughs> Very chucklesome. Uh, got a date with your pain in the neck to be? Well, no, with her uncle, Quincy Turnbull. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I ain't never met him, but he, he writes me this here letter saying that he'd come all the way from Boston to have a chat with me. A what? A chat. I, I guess in Boston people don't talk to each other. They just chat. <laughs> uh, uh, where are you going to chatter with him? Well, he said to meet him at 4 o'clock at the Hotel Royal for tea. Riley, you're drinking tea? Well, oh, we lost you completely. Uh, Mr. Riley, as Margaret's uncle on the maternal side, our branch of the family insisted that I interview her fiancé before it was too late. Would you care for some more tea and crumpets, young man? Uh, no thanks, Mr. Turnbull. I'm full up. I, I drank so much tea I can feel them trumpets I ate floating around. <laughs> crumpets, young man. Oh, yeah, excuse me. I ain't used to this fancy society stuff. I, I can see that. <laughs> now, uh, as to your financial status, Riley... My niece has been distressingly vague as to your business. Oh, well, I'm, I'm kind of sort of in a, in, a, in a trucking business. Oh, the trucking business. Yeah. Well, that's an expanding field. Are you alone in this venture? Oh, no, sir. I, I got two horses to help me. <laughs> horses? You mean you drive a horse-drawn truck? That's right. I, I inherited the job from my father. <laughs> you might say I'm following in my father's hoof prints. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I trust that the material compensation for such a prosaic vocation is commensurately remunerative. Would you care for another shot of tea, Uncle Quincy? <laughs> I mean, how much money do you make? Oh, money? Well, I'm, I'm doing okay. I, I take home 14 bucks a week per week each week. <laughs> Fourteen a week. Mm -hmm. And you consider that an adequate income to support the woman you love? And shall we say, hope to marry? Well, wait a minute. Let, let's say the woman I'm going to marry and hope to love. <laughs> oh, my poor niece. Riley, it's a mistake. Let's face it. But I'm, I'm crazy about her and she... Well, she, she likes me too. Or she, she wouldn't be marrying me. But, my rash young man, how can you support a family on $14 a week? Well, it's true. I'm, I'm only making 14 now, but, but we love each other, and I'll work hard for Peg. I'm, I'm ambitious. But ambition isn't enough to bridge the gulf between you and my niece. You're from different worlds. Your manners, your clothes, your speech, your poverty. Well, but I, I'm, I'm a citizen, ain't I? <laughs> think, Riley, think hard Is what you're doing fair to her? No, 
leave me answer my own answers. <laughs> you, you think it ain't fair to marry Peg unless I make more money? I see her in poverty. Too proud to ask her own people for help. I see her wincing at your sordid home. Wearing her youth away in a vain fight to make ends meet. Losing her looks. Her spirits. Well, gosh, I wouldn't want to do that to Peg. It's not too late, Riley. Huh? You say you love her? Then why not do the decent thing? Go to her. Tell her you can't support her in style. Oh, she wouldn't believe me. No, no, she wouldn't believe you if she thought you still wanted to marry her. But suppose you went to her right now and told her you wanted to be free. Listen, my boy. Remember, this is for her sake. Now, I have a plan. So, Peg, I... Been doing something I never done before. I've been thinking. Oh. <laughs> Have you, dear? What about? Well, about us, Peg. I, I got to face the facts in the face. I. Riley, I, did I, your meeting with my uncle Quincy start this this thinking? Oh no, no, honest. Listen, darling. I, I mean, Peg. Here I am, a happy fella. Oh, you don't look very happy. It's your wedding tomorrow, not your funeral. Here I am, a, a happy fellow with no worries and a, and a cool 14 bucks a week, all my own, outright. Oh, <laughs> I see. And, and, and that ain't all. I, I'm just a big mug, honey. I, 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 I ain't the marrying kind, I guess. Now, I, I come to ask you to, to... I can't say it, Peg, but you understand? Yes. I think I do. Riley, can you look me in the eye and tell me you don't love me? No, you can't. Nobody lets me answer my own answers. <laughs> You're not fooling me, Chester Riley. I've heard my uncle talk before. The big bluff. Well, gosh, he, he, he could be right, Peg. I, I don't want you getting old and tired washing and cooking and darning my socks on a hot stove. <laughs> All right, Chester, if, if this is goodbye, I, I can't hold you. Well, could I... Could I kiss you before I go, Peg? Well, just once before you go. Peg. Peg, I... Goodbye, Peg. Chester. Yeah? Now let me kiss you goodbye. Peg. Darling. <laughs> Goodbye, darling. Maybe you're being too hasty about this. <laughs> you you don't want to call it off? I I never did, and, and you know it. But but money, I, I ain't got any in... Oh, money. Wait just a minute. Uh, here. Take this. What's this for? It's my investment in you to show you that I believe in you and want you. Give this two dollars to the preacher tomorrow. Huh? Oh. Oh, no. No, nothing doing. Married people are partners. You ain't paying my way. Here, here's a dollar back. 
wind the brides up. Yeah, well, I'll call the ride. <laughs> Duck something or we'll wind up in a rice pudding. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Back at home. Who hit my head with a hollow shoe? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mr. Riley, how do you feel? Fine, Mrs. Riley. Enjoying your honeymoon? Oh, I've never been so happy. Oh, look, down what? there, water. A fortune teller said I'd marry and take a journey over water. Well, it come true. We're journeying over the East River. <laughs> over the Brooklyn Bridge. Darling, you kept it such a secret, but where are we going on, on our honeymoon? Sweetheart, as far from Brooklyn as my money will take us. We're going to Manhattan. Boarding houses have steep stairs like these? Yeah, but, but not as steep as these. <laughs> That's the first time I ever climbed a ladder with a carpet on it. <laughs> uh, here's the door to, to our bridal suite. Only it's just one room. Number 13. <laughs> our first home. Yeah. Let me open the door, dear. dark in there. Well, yeah, well, you, you stay here. I'll, I'll go over and pull up the window shade. It's darker with the shade up. <laughs> I, 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 it'll look better what I like to guess. There. It, it's lovely, dear. I'm afraid it ain't much like your, your old room at home. Oh, it, it doesn't matter, dear. Now we're married, you'll get ahead, and soon you'll get a raise, and then you'll... Sure I will, but it may take a little time. You see, when I, when I told my boss I wanted the day off to get married, I, I got fired. <laughs> fired? Yeah. Ain't that iron article? <laughs> well, never mind, dear. We're married now. We had each other and roof over our head. Yeah. Yeah, we, we couldn't start no poorer, so we gotta get richer. <laughs> oh, you bet we will. Well, let's go into our our room. Our room. Gosh, Peg. Pick me up, dear, and carry me over the threshold. Are you that tired, darling? <laughs> Dear, to carry the bride over the threshold of a new home. Oh, yeah. Well, here goes. Into our new life together. So, that's how it started, fellas. We started out in life with a nest egg of nothing. Oh, uh... So this rally was you? Well, sure, Joe. Me and my wife. We're still married, too. Well, what about a rich Uncle Quincy? Oh, Uncle Quincy? Oh, he's, he's doing fine. Every month I send him his allowance. Five bucks and six tea bags. <laughs> Riley? Riley, I'm glad you told us your story. You see, Joe, my boy, it's the kind of thing that happens here. A real epic of America. The Rileys are living happily ever after. You and Mimi? 
Well, you're no poorer than Riley was, huh? No, sir. I'll take a chance. It, it all depends on Mimi. We haven't seen each other for two years, and maybe... Maybe she won't want me anymore, and it... Where is he? Oh, where is he? Joe, Joe! Mimi! Guys, oh, come here, will you? Oh, Joe, darling, darling, darling. <laughs> hey, Mr. Stevenson. Huh? They ain't gonna get along okay. Huh? If I know the signs, them two are starting another optic of America. <laughs> come on, let's sprint. Sprint? Uh, what for? Don't you ever go to the movies, boss? Whoa. You ought to know when a boy and girl go into a clinch like that when it's time to leave. Come on. The Rileys will be right back. And now, for another moment, it's Ken Niles on the subject of breakfast. You know, when Mrs. Niles sets out a real morning meal, I feel as though I could lick ten wildcats and my radio job with one hand tied behind my back. And by good breakfast, I mean meat in the morning. Bacon, ham, or sausage. And I know there's plenty of reason for that feeling. Bacon, ham, and sausage are all fine ways to get morning energy. And the meaty lean is a source of highest type proteins. Everybody needs those proteins. And meat is the most satisfying way to get exactly the right kind for every bodily protein requirement. Yes, meat is a yardstick of protein foods because meat measures up to every protein need. And may we add, all nutritional statements about meat on this program are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. Yeah, Dumplin', I, I done it by telling him about us. Oh, Riley. All about how poor we were. Well, I dressed it up a little so I wouldn't be too grim. Oh. I, I didn't tell him my wedding suit was rented. <laughs> and the guy I rented it from followed us on our honeymoon to watch his property. <laughs> oh, Riley. <laughs> Anyhow, later in the evening when Mrs. Stevenson saw the way them kids looked at each other, she, she kind of defrosted her heart. I'm sure those kids are going to be okay. Oh, bless their hearts. I hope they'll be as happy as, as we've been. Well, they can't expect that. After all, the bride ain't as pretty as you are, Peg, and the groom ain't as romantic as me. <laughs> the Life of Riley, starring William Bendix, is sponsored by the American Meat Institute. We'll be back next week at the same time. William Bendix appears on this program by arrangement with Hal Roach. The part of Joe Bean was played by Barton Yarborough. The Life of Riley was directed by Don Bernard with music by Lou Kozloff and came to you from Hollywood. Ken Nile saying, see you next week. This is the Blue Network. 7.30 KECA Los Angeles. Transcribed. He was a Brooklyn Marine. In the broad with two Yanks, he's Biff the Private. But tonight, he's just an overgrown kid anxiously waiting for Halloween. I'll never forget. When I was just a boy, every Halloween, my father used to stick me in the front window. We were too poor to buy a pumpkin. <laughs> the American Meat Institute presents William Bendix in the Life of Riley. Today, Riley is engaged in the serious business of war production as a riveter in a California aircraft plant. But tonight, we see his less serious side. 
It's two nights before Halloween, and Riley is full of the spirit of the thing. It's quite dark out, and Riley's son, Junior, is just returning from a meeting of the young Wildcats, his club, in a very thoughtful mood. <gasps> is that you, Pop? Shh. Yeah, Junior. What are you doing hiding on the back porch? Listen, peek in the kitchen window and see what your mother's doing. She's washing the supper dishes. Say, Pop, what are you doing with that false face on? You're Mickey Mouse, huh? No, I'm not Mickey Mouse. I'm the rat man of Blood Bucket Castle. (laughs) Oh, at the dime store they sell those false faces for Mickey Mouse. Never mind. I bet your mother will think I'm the rat man. Oh, you gonna play a trick on Mom? Yeah. You see, last night we saw a horror picture about a nice, gruesome character, the rat man. He was a vampire. Has lunch on people's necks. (laughs) Oh, he ain't a rat. He's a bat. Oh, well, he's very depressing. Anyway... (laughs) Afterwards, your mom was so scared something had popped out of a doorway at her, she walked all the way home in the middle of the street. <laughs> mom said you made her walk out there. No, I... <laughs> I just invited her out in the street because it ain't polite to leave a lady walking on a sidewalk all alone. <laughs> you watch now when I scratch at the door and she opens it up and sees me in this thing. Okay, Pop, go ahead. Okay, all I hope is she don't faint. <laughs> watch now. Don't growl, they squeak. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shh. Who's there? We got her guessing. <laughs> well, I never. It's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Junior. Junior, go get your father some cheese. Yeah. Well, they don't make these masks as good as they used to. Or else maybe I got a very strong personality and it leaks through, probably. Well, isn't it a little early for Halloween tricks, Riley? Well, it don't hurt to get a head start. Halloween's my favorite holiday. Look, Junior, there's something else I bought at the Five and Dime. You see this book? Ghost Stories. Well, thanks, Pop, but I don't want to read any ghost stories tonight. What's the matter? You don't believe in ghosts, do you? I don't believe in ghosts, but I don't want to read anything that might change my mind. <laughs> Too many people think there's ghosts now. Say, Dumper, what's the matter with him? Well, I don't know. Ever since he came home from school today, he's been asking me if I believe in haunted houses. <laughs> what a question. With the housing shortage, as sure as it is, who's going to leave a house empty for spooks? <laughs> well, there's one empty house up on Chestnut Hill, Riley. You know, the old Sherwin place. Uh. Some people say that's haunted. Yeah. Mrs. Cornwell claims she saw a pale white face at the window, too. Yes? Mm-hmm. Oh, but Mrs. Cornwell's a great one for ghosts. She's always holding seances and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that Cornwell kid's in Junior's club, too. I bet he's got our boy believing in ghosts. Well, I'm going to have a head-to-head talk with Junior. <laughs> Junior, if I tell you there's no ghost, you can take my word for it. After all, I've been your father for 13 years, ain't I? Oh, sure, Pop. Uh, if there aren't any ghosts, what haunts haunted houses? Listen, Junior, nothing haunts haunted houses. Oh, yes, they do, Pop. Johnny Cornwall's mother proved the house was haunted. How did she? She said she saw a ghost face in the window uh, of the old Sherwin house. 
It was a horrible face, too. Now, Juan, Mrs. Cornwell must have seen her own reflection. <laughs> Says the dame should walk into a room backwards and break her face to you slowly. <laughs> oh, then, Pop, then she came home and held a seance. She asked if what she saw was the ghost of Alice Sherwin, and she got three raps on the table. Well, that means yes in ghost language. <laughs> Fine language. All they can do is knock. They ought to be newspaper columnists. <laughs> <laughs> you better not make fun of ghosts, Pop. Look, Junior, would you sooner believe a ghost than your old man? Well, no, Pop. Uh-huh. But if the ghost said it was a ghost, it ought to know. Okay, I can see you're a septic. <laughs> Now, we'll have a seance right here to prove what Mrs. Cornwell saw wasn't that Sherwin girl's ghost. Come on, put your hands up on this table. Huh? Oh, gosh, Papa, are you going to ask a ghost to rap? I'll show you. I'll put my hands on there, too, see? Okay, now I'll ask something. Are there any ghosts? See? No answer. No ghosts. Nah, Pop. You have to ask for raps. Two means no. Three raps means yes. Oh, well, Okay. Two reps for no, three for yes. Now, I'll ask him again. Did uh, Mrs. Cornwell see a ghost up at Sherwin's old haunted house? Gosh, Pop, it said no. See, that proves it. Mrs. Cornwell's a phony. (laughs) Well, um, now ask him again if there are any ghosts. Okay. Are there any ghosts? Rep two for no. See, that's the ghosts themselves say there aren't any ghosts. That's closer. Wait a minute, Pop. Uh, How could a ghost rap two for no if there aren't any ghosts? Well, that's very simple. The, uh... <laughs> I was just kidding, Sonny. I did that rapping myself. <laughs> Honest. Well, your hands were on the table. Yeah, but my feet weren't. Look at I just kicked up under that table with my foot like this. Oh, Pop, I bet you wouldn't kid around like that in a genuine haunted house like the Sherwin place. Well, sure I would, only I can't because I ain't going there. Would you be scared to go if you were going? Me? No. Oh, well, that's good, Pop. No, I ain't scared to go neither. How do you mean? Well, down at my club tonight, we got to talking what we'd do Halloween. So we made it up we'd go find out if Sherwin's old house was haunted or if it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I pity any ghosts when them young wildcats get in that house. <laughs> We ain't all going inside, Pop. Just one of us got elected to go inside. The poor guy who got the short straw. (laughs) Who got it? Well, I did. I see. Well, well, Junior, you show him you know there aren't any ghosts in there. I'm proud of you, Junior, walking in there all alone. I think that's... Well, I won't be all alone. I made up a rule the fellow who had to go in could take in another fella, his best friend. Well, that's okay, too. If the guy you picked is a real friend, he'll go like a shot. Who'd you pick? I picked you, Pop. <laughs> well, I bet that... Uh... <laughs> hey! Uh, look, Junior, I'm, I'm probably going to be very busy and... Pop! Besides, you I... ain't scared to go, are you? Well, no, but... The... And you're my best friend, aren't you? Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> Actually, the, the saying is that your mother is your best friend. <laughs> well, I couldn't ask Mom to go. And I'm sure glad you're coming with me. Yeah. Me too, Junior. <laughs> <laughs>
Chapter 13. As Lord Twitcher stood there in the dark hall of the great lonely house, he could feel something evil in the very air. A cold wind brushed his cheek, and an icy hand seemed to touch his spine. Suddenly, he saw the thing, and then he heard a sound, a low, wailing sound. <laughs> Who's that? Well, it's only me, dear. Did I startle you? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, I was just reading this book here. <laughs> oh, the ghost stories you bought Junior, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Such nonsense. <laughs> It's a quiet Halloween, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder what all those boys in Junior's club are doing tonight. Well, I know what they're doing. They're all sitting over across from our house right now on the fence, like a row of buzzards waiting for us to come out. <laughs> oh, are they going to the house with you? Well, they're going as far as the gate of the place to make sure we go in. Oh, but you're not nervous about going, are you, dear? You don't believe in ghosts? Well, no. You don't believe in them either, do, do you, Peg? No. But uh, there is something queer about that house. Huh? I wonder what did become of that poor Alice Sherwin. Well, if nobody knows, I don't want to find out. <laughs> what did they say happened to her? Oh, it's an awfully sad story. She was a bride, you know, beautiful girl. Well, they were on their honeymoon in Manila. He was a captain in the Navy. She and her husband were going to come home and live in that old house. Then, well, he was lost in an air raid. Some say they were both killed together. Others say that she followed him because she didn't want to live without him. Well, anyhow, the house stands there empty, waiting for the bride and bridegroom that never came to live in it. People ought to leave the place alone. And I'm one of the people. <laughs> After you go there tonight, maybe people will stop talking and gossiping about the house. Because you'll prove there's nothing there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Now, what was all that talk about seeing lights and faces around the place? Oh, just talk, I suppose. Yeah. But they do say that they saw a woman's figure at the window in the attic. Pop! Uh, Junior! What's the idea of sneaking in like that? It's time to go, Pop. I... Huh? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it's, uh, well, okay, Junior. Goodbye, Dumplin. Goodbye, boys. It's sure dark out, isn't it, Pop? Yeah. Pop? Uh, that Sherwin house we're going to, it, it can't be really haunted, can it? No. It's funny that people have seen a ghost in there. Yeah, well... Look, Junior, well, when we get in that house, you, you do just like I do, and you won't see no ghosts. Oh. What are you going to do, Pop? I'm going to keep my eyes shut. <laughs> midnight, a very dark midnight. Even the moon is hiding on this Halloween. Riley and his son, Junior, are just approaching the rusty iron gate that guards the old Sherwin house, which is said to be haunted. Listen. Here's the gate, Pop. Let's go in. Uh, 
Maybe the gate's locked, so we can't get in. <laughs> Gee, wouldn't that be too bad? <laughs> We've got to get in, Pop. The gang's followed us all the way from town, and they're still watching. Uh, yeah, they trail us like sharks after a sinking ship. Well, let's go in, Pop. Okay. What's that? Well, the gate. The, the hinges are all rusty. Maybe we ought to go back to town and get some oil, huh? <laughs> Come on in the garden, Pop. Gosh, it's dark. Yeah. Well, follow me, Junior. Where are you? Right behind you. <laughs> Here. Give me your hand. I see the house, Pop. The moon's coming out of a cloud. Yeah. Junior. Huh? What's that over there? Huh? Uh, I think that's your shadow, Pop. <laughs> if that's my shadow, why is it moving while I'm standing still? Pop, it's coming this way. And since when does a shadow make footsteps? Good evening, Riley. I never thought I'd be glad to see... Never thought I'd be glad to see an undertaker. You're looking fine, Riley. Very natural. <laughs> Tell me, what are you doing here around the old Sherwin house? Oh, uh, well, nothing, Digger. We're just having some fun on Halloween. Ah, uh, Halloween. I adore Halloween. It's so gay. <laughs> Digger, do, do you hang around this old house much? Oh, yes, indeed. It's one of my favorite haunts. Haunts? Listen, you don't think there's anything in there, do you? Who knows? Sometimes as I stroll through this old garden, I feel unseen eyes. Follow me. You do, huh? <laughs> Riley, you're not going inside the house. Well, we thought we might drop in a minute. I could be talked out of it. <laughs> Take my advice, Riley. Remain outside. Enjoy the beautiful flowers. They're my favorite flowers. Lilies. <laughs> Digger. When you talk about lilies, please don't stare at my chest. Strange how some people have no interest in horticulture. In my profession, we have a saying. You may not like flowers at first, but eventually they grow on you. <laughs> By the way, Riley, how tall are you? Well, I'm about five feet. Uh, uh, why? I'd like to borrow your overcoat Saturday. To wear at the football game. Oh, uh, sure, sure. I'll pick it up at one o'clock. Uh -huh. I want to get to the game before they kick off.
the door to the house, Pop. It's open. Well, leave it open. Why? Uh, well, one thing, Junior, nobody will never be able to say your old man was a coward. Let's go in. Now let's go out. Well, wait, Pop. We've only been in one room. We're supposed to go through the whole house. As far as I'm concerned, this is a one-room house. Come on. Wait, Pop. What for? I, I told the kids you didn't believe in ghosts, and, and I said we'd have another seance like we did at home. Junior, a blood relationship can only be stretched so far. Oh, Pop, you, you said you'd do it in a haunted house, and, and if we didn't hear anything... It would prove there wasn't any you-know around here. I already proved there wasn't any you-know around here. Well, you didn't do it right. Well, I... I found out for a seance, the medium has to be tied in a chair so it can't pull no tricks. Well, okay, Junior. I'd be glad to let you tie me up. Only there ain't no rope. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> I brought some rope, Pop. That was swell of you, Junior. I'll remember this. Go ahead, tie me. There. Can you move your hands or feet? No, you tied me so tight, Dan Green is sitting in. (laughs) Now, stand over by the window where I can see you. Here I am, Pop. Ah, you'll see, Junior. There won't be any wraps this time. Hope you're right, Pop. Of course I'm right. How can there be any wraps when I'm tied up too tight to wrap? And I also got my eye on you. Well, go ahead, then. Ask if there's any ghosts here. Okay, now. If there's any ghosts here, rap two times. If there ain't, don't bother. <laughs> huh. No raps. Oh, now say, if there are any ghosts, to rap three times. Uh, okay, but there won't be any. If there are any ghosts, rap three times. Uh, uh, junior... Did you do that? Uh, I didn't. Didn't you? Frankly, no. <laughs> Junior, where are you going? Out the window. Come on. Don't well, come back. Don't tie me, Junior. I can't get this chair through that window. Junior! <laughs> oh, Pop! Pop! Pop, I can't get the knot through. Well, I better go get a knife. Well, Junior, don't go! Don't, don't forget to come back. <laughs> I had to open my big mouth for raps, and I got raps. Fine thing, all alone in a house with a... Uh, what's that? Who, who, who's that? What are you doing in my house? I, I must be going crazy. Why did you come here? I, I wouldn't stay, lady, only I got tied up. <laughs> I will... Loosen the knot. Yep. Well, thanks. Who, who are you? I am Alice Sherwin. Now I know I'm crazy. I'm talking to a ghost. Oh, Pop, Bob, cut! Well, Judy... Please, don't tell anyone I'm here. I, I only want to be left alone here in my house. I got a knife and. Pop, you're untied. Yeah. And it was the ghost that done it. Wait a minute. Her hands. They weren't no ghost's hands. Junior, you go outside and wait for me. Oh, what are you going to do, Pop? I'm 
He's going to have another talk with that that lady ghost. Why did you want to see me, Mr. Riley? Well, when I when I figured out you wasn't a ghost, I got to thinking how lonesome you must be in this house all alone. So I thought maybe you'd like to take a stroll over to my house and meet my family. Oh, thank you, but oh, I... If, if you'd rather not talk, I'll go away. No. Don't go yet. I mustn't be rude to my first guest in so long. Oh, thanks. Must be kind of a shock when the first man you see in so long looks like I do. <laughs> Tell me about your family, Mr. Riley. Well, my my family's named Riley after me. <laughs> Very nice people, too. That was my son, Junior, that was with me tonight. It must be wonderful to have a son. Oh, it's great. I got a daughter, too. A girl. <laughs> she's, she's 16 now. The boy's 13, but getting older all the time. <laughs> And there's, there's, there's Peg, that's my wife. She's older than the kids, but younger than me. <laughs> Say, in that picture of you over the fireplace, I guess that fellow with you, that's your husband. Huh? Yes. That's Robert. He's a good-looking fellow. Maybe you'd rather not talk about him, though. Violence won't bring him back. My wife told me about what what happened. Of course, she didn't know the part about your being here. I don't want anyone to know. I want to stay here, alone, with his memory. It's the least I can do in loyalty to him. Oh. You mean you, you think that's what he'd want you to do? Of course. Does that surprise you? Well, yes, ma'am, it does. I didn't know him, but from his picture there, I know he was a swell guy. I wouldn't think he'd want you locked up here, throwing the rest of your life away. Do you think any man wants the wife he loves to forget him in, in a year or ever? Well, no, but there's, there's different ways of remembering. I don't understand. Well, you, you can make his dying count for something by helping to beat the people who started this war and teaching the world that won't pay to ever start another. You think that I could help end this war? Sure. Everybody can do something. The only thing a person can't do is is do nothing. Oh, I... I guess you think I've been very selfish, Mr. Riley. Oh, no. No, you've been shut up in this empty house. You just didn't know what was going on. The people I can't understand are the ones who do know and still don't care. Those people live in something worse than an empty house. They live in an empty brain. Well, I'm not one of them, Mr. Riley. You, you've given me something to think about. And I'm very grateful. Oh, well, gee, that's fine. <laughs> well, I guess I'll be going. <laughs> I'm sure glad you ain't no ghost. <laughs> of course, I ain't actually scared of ghosts because... I know there ain't no ghosts. Are there? <laughs> of course not. But, you know, Mrs. Sherwin, it, it is 
kind of dark out in that garden, isn't it? Would you mind walking me to the gate? <laughs> back in a boat. Well, I think we can all agree with Riley that none of us here at home can sit this war out. The war isn't over in Europe, the war isn't over in the South Pacific, and the war isn't over in America's kitchens. You women who have signed up for the duration to keep health-giving meals on America's tables just can't pick out the meat you want and be sure of getting it every time these days. The needs of war are bound to make the varieties and quantities your meat man has vary from day to day. So let's all make good meals out of whatever meats are on hand. And remember this, all meats, regardless of cut or kind, have the same complete, highest quality, good-eating proteins that make meat a yardstick of protein foods. This statement and all statements regarding the nutritional value of meat made on this program are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. Hiya, Dumplin'. Hey, I, I got some big news about Halloween. Yes? Well... You know, I, I think I'm going to open up a one-man recruiting outfit. I'm going to recruit waves, wax, spars, and spooks. <laughs> Tune in the Life of Riley, starring William Bendix, next week at this time. This is Ken Nile saying, see you next week. This is the Blue Network. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of golden age radio, when radio was king. Now, 1001 has three big radio shows, 1001 Radio Days for Variety, 1001 Radio Crime Solvers for Detective and Cop Shows, and 1001 Stories from Roy's Diner for Action, Suspense, Escape, and Sci-Fi. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe. And we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. Ba 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 